When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about crunch chocolate bars. Because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy, munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with crunch. Welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. My name is James Gill. I am the MC at the multi-award-winning comedy nights, Always Be Comedy. I'm joined, as always, by my comedy husband, Always Be Comedy's very own, Tim Lewis. Hello, Tim Lewis. Hello, James Gill. The Always Be Comedy podcast is where we sit down with a guest and they curate what would be their dream comedy gig. Who would open? Who would close? What sort of gigging nightmare that they've experienced must not, under any circumstances, happen at this fantasy comedy gig? It's all this and so much more. And by so much more, we often mean quite a lot of gossip. Hello, welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. We're joined by one of the greats, Lou Sanders. Tim, in a previous episode, did we plug that we had a Taskmaster favourite on and then we didn't put Lou out? <laughs> yeah, yeah we did we may have shuffled the order <laughs> we're sorry um i've, ju- I've just realized that now in real time um so here is the taskmaster favorite lou sanders tim we have a lot of love for lou lou was with us twice consecutive nights wednesday thursday recently roofed it both nights phenomenal comedian there's been a lot of uh love for lou recently with laura smith in last week's episode, essentially saying national treasure. Yeah, Laura Smith's favourite comedian. Amazing. It's great to have Lou. We've both known Lou for a long time now, and she's just always brilliant, always so much fun. You never know what you're going to get with her, and that's the best thing about her. A real a wild card, but in the best way. That's it. It's something exciting about comedy, that word chaos. When I was a little kid... Freddie Starr, when he went on to Des O'Connor, there was that element of danger. What is he going to do? And Lou Sanders, it's a great quality in a comedian. Lou Sanders has that. She goes on stage or indeed on telly and you think, what she... In fact, the new book is called What's That? That was not an intentional... Yeah, let's pretend it was. That was an intentional link. The new book, What's That Lady Doing? We know a lot of you have read it already. So you know it's a very special book. It is, it's heartbreaking, it's soul-scraping, it's hilarious. Um, it's a, I mean, it's a really special piece of work. I, um, I've, as you all know, because I bang on about this a lot with comedians, I like to do the audiobook version, and Lou Sanders nails uh, the performance. It's a great book. If you haven't checked it out, it's out now. I would personally do the audiobook, but you, whatever you prefer, Lou Sanders, what's that lady doing? So we talk about that and much more. Now, since we did the chat with Lou, Unforgivable has been renewed by Dave, recommissioned. Uh, and so because I'm the warm up on that and I love Lou and Mel Gedroich, so I will also plug that, <laughs> that that will be returning to Dave uh, on a, at a date that is TBC. Uh, Tim, what I would say about Lou, she's one of those dudes where funny just falls off her. Absolutely. I've seen her at many new material nights where she's turned up with a few vague ideas and by the time she gets on stage, they're already so funny, so hilarious. She's just really knows exactly what's funny about her. 
the ad naturally funny as well the ad libs the little bits where she comes off the things that she was going to talk about you know all of that just uh, uh yeah brilliant comedian great dude and we would urge you any comedy fans taskmaster fans etc check out the book it is pretty extraordinary uh tim right so it's one of my jobs is to put the correspondence together tim the correspondence I, I really didn't want to use the word mailbag. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I like it. Right, I'm in it now. Mailbag, it is, I mean, it is overflowing. Fit to burst. This is. We, the, this was at the very bottom, and I, but, but yet here I am leading off on it. It just really it stayed with me, this. A podcast listener from Scarborough, Stephen, has got in touch to ask if we would put a show on the 30th of January, 2024, because it's the night before him and his wife. I mean, I'm, I'm probably oversharing too much information about his private life here. They're traveling down from Scarborough to London and they're going to fly off on their honeymoon. And so he's asked, could we do a show on the th Tim, I, I feel like duty bound to just put a show on for this guy on Tuesday, the 30th of January. Yeah, I genuinely, I'd, <laughs> that's all you need to do to get a show out of us. <laughs> <laughs> Just like tug at our heartstrings. No, yeah. I just I just like the random idea of putting a show on Stephen from Scarborough uh, with his other half before they fly off. Oh, it's his honeymoon and 40th. I really am. Stephen, I'm sharing. If you could send us the first line of your home address, let's get that out there next week. Um, so yeah, Stephen, your correspondence has stayed with me and we are on it. Uh, what I would say, Tim, the Laura Smith episode inspired a lot of praise. Uh, yes. One of those... It, gigs people have collared me someone told me that they saw laura the other night and because they know laura's story they actually they had quite an emotional moment uh john tracy a champion of of, of comedy uh found it to be inspiring stuff uh and then this is lovely tim someone called jsn said great pod would love to hear more laura about your journey i'm 50 I really want to do it too. And of course, Laura Smith being Laura Smith, got back in touch. Do it. Do a course. Head to an open mic. Start. Be nice. Brush your teeth. Be on time. Be confident. Always be comedy. Just wonderful. The smile I had on my face reading that. So brilliant. Get that on a tea towel and sell it as merch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know that the guy is is working on his five. That's very exciting. Let us know how it goes. Let, JSN, let us know how it goes. I, before I started out, I once asked Tim Vine, Clang, for advice. And it, it basically, it all comes down to this. You've just got to do it yourself. And there's no substitute. His line is always, there's no substitute for standing under the lights. And I guess it all comes down to that. So yeah, reach out. I think we, we've tweeted a list of open mic gigs in the past, haven't we? Yeah, we definitely have. We'll, we'll find it again and put it back out. I'll let you find it because I've tried to find it before it takes. <laughs> I don't swear. Let's just go with chuffing ages. Um, oh, the, we had some nice correspondence about classic modern bits because this was a recent topic about classic modern bits. And Wozniak Time, another champion of comedy, got in touch to say that one that sprang to mind as another instant classic is Jen Brister's Kids with Walkie Talkies in her current The Optimist show. As Wozniak Time says, perfection. Tim, that routine is one of those where people are losing their mind with laughter. Yeah, absolutely. We got to see it at Tommy Field um, a couple of weeks ago, this stage. And yeah, I could watch that bit <laughs> Jen makes a point of making that bit last as long as possible, but I could I could watch her do it for another hour, honestly. If she did that for a full day, I'd I'd, I'd be keen. I'd be on the front row. <laughs> I'd be clapping the whole way through. I'd be clapping the whole way through. <laughs> go further. Uh, I, I if I was going to pick one out, I would go with Ke Kevin Bridges' Diego Rivera routine. Of uh, if it wasn't the previous, I think it was the most recent special, maybe the one before. That's one of the greatest routines I have ever seen. Uh, Tim, do you, do you have a classic modern bit? I think 
it's quite hard to pick just one from this specific show, but in James A. Caster's Cole Lasagna, Paint Myself, 1999, uh, I think the whole Bake Off story is just exceptional. It's, it's taken from something he just did on TV once, it became a meme, and then he like provides all the context behind it, and it's just so brilliant. It's so brilliant. It's, it's a long, meaty bit, and it Never, never slouches. It's just brilliant. Never slouches. What a great turn of phrase. Oh, PG, what else over it? Um, that I'm with you, Tim. That that is, that is a phenomenal routine. Now, as we mentioned before last week's episode with Laura Smith, it was like a little disclaimer that we talk about. I don't even want to say his name, but the the dispatches episode, the work by the Sunday Times, the work by the Times. So, Tim, I mean, the sort of like we don't need to talk about it, but we, I feel like we've got to talk about it just because we said we would talk about it. If that makes sense, um, we we in comedy, it was a thing that was it was a thing that was talked about, but is obviously tricky to talk about publicly due to litigation and dispatches. Sunday Times and the Times, that team, phenomenal work, incredible. But they could only do it, Tim, once they'd compiled this dossier of allegations. And also, we must keep saying uh, uh, alleged and, and, and reported. Um, but I mean, Tim, what, I mean, what, what, what else is there to say? I mean, what I would say, I would say this, I guess, we in comedy try to have each other's backs and we, we have, I, I would like to think, the right sorts of conversations and I, I, I Gosh, I hope that we look out for each other and people try to keep us informed about certain things uh, so that you're not booking anyone where people would feel uncomfortable. Is that is that fair, Tim? Yeah, I think so. I think that's due to care. We definitely strive to have always be comedy. And yeah, we want a safe environment for the comedians, the audiences. Yeah, I think... I think that's it. That's what we. That's what we want. I think. Do you, I think that is. A, that's perfect. That's a really good way of, of putting it. And that is exactly what it is. Duty of care, and you know, and of course, the the people who we have to absolutely champion are these incredible women who've come forward. And I I, I love the big fan of the News Agents podcast. And I think that they've they've covered it in depth. They've interviewed people who worked uh, on the uh, investigation. And that's a theme that keeps coming up, just championing these uh, incredible women and, and having these conversations. Um, and, and look, you know, anyone that's read Lou Sanders book will know, yeah, there's there's lots of jokes and it's hilarious because it's a Lou Sanders book, but there's, my God, in terms of bravery and, and bearing your soul and, and speaking up, this book of of Lou's is a, is an incredibly powerful read. So you know, please be warned. Uh, there are some things that we talk about that 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 uh, some listeners may find upsetting. So you know, please consider this the the, the most uh, polite uh, warning. Uh, and as I say, if you've if you've read Lou's book, she uh, she's incredibly honest, like soul searingly honest. And if you ha- you know if you haven't read it, we. Uh, we would it's, it's a huge always be comedy recommendation as is lou herself lou's a great dude on and off stage someone who has been on a personal level incredibly loyal we'll talk about that at the end somebody who really has your back she's a, a true she's a true friend i look i'm really crying it <laughs> you know i use the word mensch lou sanders is an absolute mensch so uh terrific comedian terrific dude here she is, the incomparable, the maestro, Lou Sanders. Uh, we're joined by uh, one of the greats, Lou Sanders. Lou, straight off the yeah. bat. Please, would you please talk me through, say a bit please. of the, the writing process, because the book is so... Listen, the book's strength and its USP is that it is as... The thing is, it's so beautifully written. The way you describe 
coastal towns and the fa- you, that phrase faded glamour and all of that. The right, honestly, uh, Lou, the writing is so beautiful. But also, the one of the USPs is it's so searingly uh, candid. That must have been a deliberate choice at the start of the writing process. Get it out, get it out. Yeah, I think splurge yourself on the page. <laughs> Don't worry about the ramifications after. Um, but I tried not to, I tried to be very forgiving about other people's stuff and very like um, in the middle and present all the stuff, you know. But then about my own stuff, yeah, I've been really honest and for better or worse. And, you know, I do talk about having happy endings in massages, but delighted to say that I had a massage last night, um, home massage, and uh, there was nothing untoward that happened. So I've really grown and changed as a person. Congratulations. Mate, the, I don't think you realise the level of the writing is... Did you always know... I didn't realise what a, what a phenomenal, uh, beautiful writer you are. Because of stand-ups, we only ever see each other's uh, No, listen, I got that ghost written. <laughs> no, I did. It is, uh, in my own words. Um, yeah, I, I have written, like, articles and stuff um, before, and I thought, hmm, there might be something in this. And, um, yeah... Like you had to go through lots of drafts to get it to that stage, though. I remember, like, um, John Robbins like read through an early draft, and he hadn't laughed for about ten minutes. And I was like, "Why haven't you laughed? I tried to make it really funny. Why aren't you laughing? You haven't laughed for ten minutes." And he went, "Well, I am my fifth rape story, dear." <laughs> and then <laughs> I cut that down a bit. Not all of mine, like other people. I put other people's in, and also you shouldn't talk about other people's stories. So then I cut that out and tried to make it a bit jollier. But look, but it is, you know, it's it is unflinching stuff, isn't it? I mean, my I've got I've got the audiobook spinning, and my wife can tell when I've got to a harrowing bit because I'm like out. out I don't realize I'm doing it out loud. I'm going, oh my god, you know. But I mean, but then but then two pages later, I'm wiping away tears of laughter. I mean, it's uh, it is a it's a full on journey. But that's just like life, isn't it? So we've all exactly. had we've all had ups and downs like i don't think my story is very different to anyone else in fact loads of people have resonated with it and said they've got similar stories so i think it's important to talk about like i don't think what i don't like is when people think about all the horrible stuff that's happened to them and identify as a victim because every single person's going to have trauma da, 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 da. and then i think the life's adventure is getting rid of it and then um enjoying life and trying to find the joy once you've healed the pain stuff as well or side by side but I don't think my story is any different and I don't think but I think it's important to talk about that stuff because otherwise if we push it underground that's where all the problems arise from so yeah and I don't think men some men don't realize some not all men some men don't realize how uh like ubiquitous these stories are is that the right word ubiquitous yeah I think it absolutely is the right word um and I as an author no I (laughs) No, but I, I I totally agree. But also, as you've touched on there, you absolutely own those stories, don't you? Yeah. You know, the way, like the, you know, the, 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 where you, you, we're both no strangers to therapy, but you, you use words like healing and, um, you know, it is, imp- it is important to uh, be as candid as you've been because then you, you take ownership of some of the things that, that have happened. And I'm yeah. sort of paraphrasing what you wrote there, but, you know. Yeah, I think so. And I think... If everyone was honest about stuff, then I think it would be better for society. Because, you know, you might have some sex pests reading that going, oh, I didn't realise. Didn't realise it's quite horrible what I'm doing. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, the book is marketed at rapists. <laughs> <That's> not... <laughs> uh, now, look, we, we're we're both people as, you know. Some, some people. I read some um, online reviews on NetGalley and... Um, some people have got annoyed, like one or two have got annoyed about me talking, like they think that I'm talking about stuff flippantly. But I would say one, it's my story and I talk about how I want, but two, I'm not talking about it flippantly. I'm saying how dark it was and how horrible it was and how much that affects a person's life. And then I'm saying, um, you know, I've done a lot of work around it, a lot of healing. I'm very lucky because some people don't have the opportunity to do that. Like, you know, like a woman, in a developing country who, you know, has had far, far worse than me, might not have the time, space and money to do that sort of stuff and they've got kids or whatever. So I'm saying, God, I'm lucky that I've been able to heal it and get over it. And then I'm like adding humour to it because life is light and shade. I mean, sorry, 
the listener can't see my face there, but I'm in, I, I'm in total agreement with you. And also by, um, surely by owning it, that says that you've come out the other side. I mean, what do they want? You, they want you to be, we, you know, weeping onto the page. Yeah, I know, I know. But, um, you know, that's, I mean, you know, we always look at the sort of negative reviews, don't we? That's like, you know, there's lots of nice like people you just got focused on the people that it is kind of connecting to it's stupid to worry about you know because it i don't think the book is for everyone at all i mean what is but um even the style of writing it's kind of gambling and chatty and you know that's not going to be for everyone so um that's okay too uh, i would say if you're gonna do that's it fucking fine too <laughs> I don't mind. I don't even care. What do you think about my book that I've poured my heart and soul into? What What I would say is, if you you you, you I would say you must buy it, but you must do the audiobook because Lou, your performance is something else. The delivery. Uh, could you talk us through that? Because that's that's not that's not as easy as you make it sound, is it? The the audio. Oh, I didn't know if my did. I'm too shy to listen to it back because I don't know if it's. Any oh, good it's because... great, Lou. Oh no, because because I was listening to this book before, just before I recorded it. I spent three days with this book in my head, like this audible book in my ears, and it's a really good book. But the woman who read it out was quite dry, and she is not like a comedian or a performer. So fair enough, but she like read out her book in quite a sort of school teachery kind of disconnected way even though it's a fantastic book and so I had her voice in my head and her rhythms and then when I first started reading my book out I was reading in that way like well you know like that and then I was like oh no this is awful and I had to really try and get out of that like rhythm so I can't listen to it back basically take it from me you absolutely nail it. We put on the ABC Twitter. It makes Meryl seem uh, lazy. <laughs> it, it's, mate, it's, it is it is uh, pure Sanders. Now, what what I would say, I, I'm also a... Uh, I, I no longer... I'm tw 12 plus... Regular citizens will know, 12 plus years uh, I've been sober. Yeah. That has also... That is, that is a huge game changer for you as well, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I didn't bang on about that too much because I feel like I've spoken about it before. But then I thought, well, actually, if people like it's quite helpful listening to someone else's journey on that. So I did put I did. There was a chapter in there about stopping drinking and like how I did it and how some friends have done it. And, you know, because like one approach isn't right for everyone. So, yeah, I did put because that did change my life. So I think the two big things that changed my life were learning how to not think negatively and um which is like a whole big thing and um yeah not drinking um so the reason why i smiled at the not thinking negatively so pre-therapy i would say uh i'd live with a couple of mates in tooting and i would be this is years before i met my wife I'd, catastrophizing yeah that in an armchair little voice in my head well, what if what if such and such thought that well if they thought that then they might think and if that person thinks that then they might and if they think that well they yeah. could think that and then that, that and then that means and so before you know it you're gripping onto the armrests of an armchair you're white knuckling over a thing that exists entirely in your head yeah what what, what how did your oh. negative thinking manifest itself basically i was really negative and my friend jules was like i can't hang around with you if you're because you're so negative and when i tell people that they're really surprised because now I'm so positive, but it's taken, you know, it took really about four or five years to re to shift. And then it's just a lifetime's work, you know, like, cause your whole, your whole like neuro pathways, you're refocusing in neuro pathways and overcoming like a whole lifetime's, you know, well, I was 26 or something like sort of a short lifetime's kind of work, but I'm reading a book at the moment. Cause I'm trying to stop the voice totally. And I'm reading a book. What's it called? Um, the untethered soul like quite a lot of people have talked about it and i found it quite hard to get into but i'm having another crack at it um because i think that is like that's one of the big ones if you can take on the messages but it's all in theory like you read this stuff it's like like make friends with your voice in your head and like try to like quieten it and you're like yeah great idea but then bloody hell it's really hard to apply the theory it's oh mate, I, sorry, I was nodding away as well because you go from being a people on the circuit, and I know you're the same. They would know me as a very positive, you know, maybe too positive. Think, you know, this guy, this guy's got more bounce than Zebedee. But we've <laughs> had to put the, we've had to put the work in there. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, but you also, if you give me a compliment, it means nothing because I think, oh, well, you like everyone. <laughs> you know? Like that people is, say... Trust me, that is not true. But people say like, oh, you it's quite funny actually because people say, like, oh, you can't have a bad gig at ABC. Um, and then once I have had a bad gig at ABC, actually... <laughs> But it's a terrible thing if you do have a bad gig at ABC because it is, it is harder than most gigs to have a bad one. Oh, no, I, I, I can also disprove that theory. Yeah. <laughs> so, Untethered Soul, would you, would, you would you recommend that then? I would, but it's hard going. It's like the first time I read The Power of Now, I was like, no, thank you. I cannot get my nut around this. And then I read it like five years later and I was like, okay, I can start to like apply this a bit more now. I think it's the same with Untethered Soul. Although my friend's read it, who's not spiritual at all, and she said it's brilliant. And she is someone I think lives completely in their head and chatters all the time internally and externally. And she was like, this is brilliant. And I think, oh, well, how, like, how have you taken this on board then? I don't know. How is dare that, you? Is that um, would you? Would you have a... I, I do have a recommendation. Would you have a recommendation? For anyone looking to go on, you know, that journey, call it whatever you like, is there a book that... that meant a lot to you I w i'll say mine that mm. the very first self-help book i read and the one that like um was was the gateway drug to more self-help was uh i've got to tell this guy to his face paul mckenna's changed life in seven days i i read uh, that in my 20s i think yeah I that was... but again as lou touched upon there if you are a negative thinker it's not you, you don't read one of these books i mean that it should, probably shouldn't be called change life in seven days because you know it takes ages yeah 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 i get why he's called it that because he's giving he's putting things into place that yeah uh, but I would say it's like turning an oil tank around. You're not. You're not gonna. You're not a negative thinker. You're not gonna read a book and then wake up the next morning. Everything's amazing. Um, yeah. It takes a lot of time to change that course. But it's all the same thing. It's like everything comes down to ego versus soul, doesn't it? Like any time I get in trouble, it's my ego. Every time, and it's like, and it's daily. You know, like I don't know, and then like when you're negative it's your ego sort of wanting to feel important and you've just learned to do it in that way you know i guess you could do your ego can get in the way in a positive way as well of like uh i don't know like i'm better than them or like i don't know i don't know it's know just a mean. constant battle to like quiet the ego and it's not easy in this job either <laughs> uh, well then and then another another game changer for you lou and the, you know there'll be a lot of tasks you know we have a lot of Taskmaster do taskmaster dudes who listen, but you getting into comedy, I mean that's that blimey. Oh I mean everything God. changes there. I did a like a last minute like book reading the other day, like a stand up gig, a couple of people on, and then I read a bit from a book. And um this guy that I used to go out with, hang on, um at university. Hang on, what was the question? Uh, how you got how you got into comedy oh yeah so this guy yeah this is relevant so this guy that I went out with at university came in and I hadn't seen him for years and I was like oh my god James and then he's like oh yeah I saw you on Sunday brunch so I thought I'd come to like this book reading thing and I was like fuck you're in the book uh, I've called you Pete but you're in the book and he's like no way and he's like I know exactly the bit that I'm in the book for because when I first met him I guessed that he'd been in hospital because he snapped his banjo banjo string and like I just guessed it in a psychic moment and he was like how did you guess that but then people give stuff away he might have been like coy like looking down at the lad whatever so um and then I made him read a bit of the book out like I made him play Pete like come up on stage and I like, play Pete in the dialogue where he like, I guess that he snapped his banjo string. Anyway, um, and I pulled him that night, so I had to be very delicate with him. But um, the point is, he said to me, uh, when he messaged after, he said, you always wanted to do stand-up. And I was like, what? When I was like, like 19, 20, and he's like, yeah, you talked about it, but only when you were really drunk. I didn't remember that at all. And um, yeah, he's like, you were talking about it, but only when you were pissed or whatever. So that was my secret desire. And I didn't do it until sort of seven years later, six, six, seven years later. Wow. So it was always, you didn't realise it on a surface level, but, yeah. but, you know, underneath the surface at your core, yeah. that was the thing that you wanted to do. So, so you don't even, yeah, know about it consciously. You're like, there's just something pulling you towards it. And I used to go and watch comedy a lot. But in the book, I talk about how, 
when it clicked for me that I could maybe do it when when I realized that they were actually writing it and they did the same set often I was like oh okay you can cheat <laughs> I'm not that it's cheating but like I don't know why I thought before they would just get up and just speak mate I've, I think I've said this before on this pod Chris Rock one of my heroes me and my mm. best mate from Leeds friends since we were kids we got into Chris Rock when we were teenagers we bought he did a certain tour probably nearly 20 years ago we bought three pairs of tickets to see across the tour because oh, we, we thought no. he was getting we, we didn't realize how comedy worked oh no and then by the third night when it's word for word we're like oh what have we done yeah 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 expensive as well for kids it was expensive but it's, that's a proper peek behind the magic curtain that isn't it mm-hmm. yeah you're like thought- oh and then you're like maybe it can be maybe it's easier than i thought like, maybe i could do it but... <laughs> but i think a lot of people when when a comedian says oh funny thing happens to me they go god that's lucky they happened this yeah. morning yeah, 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 yeah. Rather than it's the 227th do you, time. Do you, do you ever do that? Like pretend, pass it off as something happened to you on the way to the gig? No. I think in Alan Carr's first book, Look Who It Is, he it's really stayed with me this bit. He has a bit about audiences having a much better secret, inbuilt bullshit detector than a lot of people realise. And yeah. I totally agree. We've all been at gigs, we're at the back of the room thinking didn't happen the only time i like i made a rule not to do it and then recently i did it which is mad to do it at this late stage in the game but it was just because i i had like so the first time i did it was genuine kind of kind of genuine and then i did it another few times just because i was too lazy to think about what my how i was going to open and i was like oh my god this is so hack but i am but I was like, oh, I can't be bothered to think about how to open, so I'm just going to do it. You know what I mean? Like when you've not got the time to like engage and then, uh, yeah, I didn't feel work. good about it, but it actually did work. So that's probably why I did it like three times in total or something. Still yeah. doing it to this day. Yeah, if it, for you, though, if, The thing is, if it works, there is a, there's always that temptation, isn't there? It, it's really hard to get a good opener that's kind of, well, I, my favourite kind of opener is listening to what the MC says and then doing something in the room that you have just thought of. That is that is so nice because that's great. You, don't, you don't even care if it works because you're like, well, yeah, I've just come up with this. But usually it will get more than it would get if it wasn't in like spontaneous or whatever. So that's a favourite opening, but it's really hard to come up with openings. I always think like, just to get a really strong opening. Sarah Kendall told me her favorite opening and I was like, oh, that is so good. And here he does cheat a bit, but it's not a sly cheat. So you sort of think fair enough, like it's inbuilt into the joke. So he says, I don't know what, what comic it is, but he says, um, he says, oh, I had a really weird morning actually. Uh, I had a coffee, you know, I put my coffee, I'm gonna absolutely butcher this, well, this guy's joke but he said i was making coffee and i put the plunger down and the building across the road blew up <laughs> and it's so lovely because it's so visual as well and that is excusable you can obviously like because you're not saying oh funny thing happened on the way to gig it's obviously made up it's so. a great joke you know Car- yeah. Carmen o'brien says his favorite type of joke is the one that paints the picture in his yeah. head and the picture yeah. there of the plunger and it's it's almost like a cartoon, isn't it? I mean, it's it's that's a lovely joke. Yeah. Um, well, that, well, well. I mean, this is not. There's no connection here. But, uh, ta- I mean, Taskmaster that that also had a profound impact, didn't it? Yes, Do I love to- Taskmaster. It has such. It's the one show that really has an effect on comedians. Do you know TV? Like nowadays, podcasts can sell out a tour more than TV, unless it's Taskmaster. You know, maybe would I lie to you? Um, I mean, stuff, it all helps, you know, cats, that's a big show, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I guess because you're in week in, week out as well with Taskmaster, you know, you, every week people are tuning in, so it's more impact. We see, we see that at Always Be Comedy for what it's worth. I've, I've chatted yeah. with people about this. Um, there is definitely such a thing as Taskmaster Bounds, uh, that other, you don't get it with other TV shows. Uh, there was the documentary about the comedy store in LA. Nikki Glazer says she did Dancing with the Stars, barely had any impact, and then she did uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, and you know, wow, wow. But 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 what? But sorry, that the my point there is 
ta- the Taskmaster is almost the exception that proves the rule because that yeah, really yeah. because it's because it's watched by people who love comedy and so they yeah you know, you know they identify with say Lou Sanders you announce a tour I love this girl let's go see a lot you know I mean what Taskmaster does for live comedy and I've said this to Alex sweet Jesus it has had such a wonderfully positive mm. impact on the comedy circuit i you know as soon as been it's doing had a comedy- positive impact on everything like it's so oh. nice like people like he does so much for like community things charity things and then it attracts oh, like a really angel. nice it just it attracts a really nice bunch of people who are really supportive in every different way and that spans out and it's oh my god and then they connect with each other and they make friendships it's like yeah it's amazing it's like a cult it's like a really nice cult we we on lockdown, you know. You, I mean, crikey, some of your lockdown body sets, on lockdown. I was well. Some of your online sets with us were the highlights of lockdown when you were roller skating. Hilarious, brilliant. No, I had a terrible gig with you actually when I was. I didn't plan, and then I was sort of had my roller skate. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's not focus on the negative. We are positive thinkers. Remember. Well, I was about to say, but the, just to say what Alex Hall is like. He did. He did a few of our online gigs. There was one night where he said, oh, I can join you at this time because uh, before then I'm doing Taskmaster for a, a, a scout organisation. It's unbelievable. Such, such a sweet guy. Some of the stuff he does, I'd be inclined to be like, oh, no, I think I'll have dinner with my family that night. You know what I mean? Like, and he loves his family. He really loves his family. So I don't understand if he's got secret hours in the day or something. Uh, Mel Gedroich was another one with the online shows. Oh, you know, she's so nice. Another angel. She's a fucking angel, and I don't mind who knows. It's so, unbelievable. So we, with my warm-up hat on and with Lou's uh, co-hosting hat on, we do Unforgivable on Dave with yeah. Mel Gedroich, and I would put her in. I know this is – look, my, I know I can sound like a lovey sometimes, but I, I'm unapologetic here. Mel Gedroich – Often if I'm on a warm-up and I'm ironing my shirt or whatever, I'm chatting with the makeup team and the chat might turn to top five nicest. And I, I think I think Gedroich might be on the podium, top three. Oh, she is. She's number one for me. She's number one for me. There's no side to her. She's really fun. She genuinely cares about people. She, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but she took in uh, a couple of um, displaced people from a war country and didn't even mention it to me like I met them and she didn't say you know like didn't even mention the good that she does and when I asked about it she's like oh yeah but like I'll miss them if they go like as if it's for her you know and she's got kids and she's got like a wonderful husband she's just like made of something else sunshine Uh, a, a, a great soul um I may have said this before, there was a rehearsal for Unforgivable. Now, sometimes the host of a show can look quite surly during a run-through. Mm. Oh, you know, like Kevin the Teenager energy. Uh, Mel Gedroich danced on. I'm like doing pointy finger dancing. Mm. So for the run-through, she danced onto the set like this, dancing away. And then because she was doing that, like the guy in camera two, he starts doing it. Yeah. So before you know it, you've got a studio full of people all doing like comedy yeah. Disco dancing. You don't like Gedroich, you're dead, basically. Before we get to the gig, I will say Lou's book uh is out now. It is it is must read. If you know, I always think with 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 comedians, I think you should do the audiobook if that is an option to you, because they've probably enjoyed performing it. But you know what? If you want if you want to read it, you know, it's whatever lights your candle. Mm. Uh but I've it's I've enjoyed nice it. It's nice to have the hardback. It's a lovely size, I'll say that for it. It just slips into that handbag. That was nice. They wanted 80,000 words, and I gave them 50,000. There's no you. need to hark on. Undercut them. Um, but, yeah, it's it's like a lot of great books. You're wiping away tears of uh, of laughter uh, mm. one page and the next page. You, you know, it's... Uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's James Joyce for the millennials. It's a shame you can't put your own quote on the cover of the book. I probably could, actually. That's... I probably, I probably could and I probably would actually if I'd thought about it. eBay Motors is here for the ride. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Right, Lou, you are... You are curating uh, what would be your your dream. Yes. Gig. Do you have any pre gig rituals? Uh, sick into a bucket and then walk on. Perfect. Mm. Uh, no, I don't have any rituals. I sometimes ask uh, to, you know, ask the universe that I can spread joy and laughter and to get out of my ego. Um, yeah, and that's it. That's not. But I saw an interview with Jerry Seinfeld, which I immediately sent to ABC Tim, where he, I think he's in a place now where he sees comedy as he's doing a what a, he's doing a what a lovely service he's providing for the world. He's making yeah. them, he's making them laugh. What a great thing to do! And I saw that. I thought Jerry with the wisdom again. That's, I think that's a lovely way of looking at it. Yeah, you're just a vessel, a conduit, you know, for something better, bigger brighter so you just gotta get your ego out of the way but it is very hard to do because you feel like it's about you but it's not i guess that's a great answer lou how do you do it do you write it down or or is it just between the ears me and one of my friends but i don't know if i'm allowed to say his name because it's not his story to tell but we've got like a little thing we say you might call it a prayer um but i always forget it so then i just unless i'm with him if i'm with him we do it together if i'm not kicking with him uh, which is more often than not i suppose then what then i just do my own version that I just sort of make up but it's along the lines of help me get me ego out of the way help me be a vessel of the light and laughter you know blah, 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 blah. who would who would MC this uh dream gig to MC, i've tried not to pick my friends um apart from the MC because well, actually, I have picked some of my friends, actually, but I've mixed it up. Um, so MC, I'm going John Robbins. Brilliant. Because he is very, he's very good. And I feel safe. I like the MC to be a friend, so I feel safe. Uh, you would also, you are also one of the greatest MCs. But I can't put you because it's, it's, up, it's up your ass. I can't, I can't, I can't be so up your ass. So I'm going uh... to... John Robbins, a, a lovely dude as as well, and and um, John, I remember John recording a special, and I I had to be to warm it up, and we did it at the iconic BBC Radio building where they used to do the Goon Show, and as a comedy anorak, oh my, it just meant so much. I, I, obviously, it was his gig, but I was really grateful, you know, because that such a historic uh, mm. building. I've I've I have a lot of love for John and Tim is taking his show up in Edinburgh at yeah. the moment. Um he's a lovely boy. Oh, do you know who else is a absolutely great MC? Chloe Petz. Super and she's so like sort of what I would say new, you know, to MCing and stuff and like God, to have that confidence when I was that new, I think it's amazing. Um, Lou, uh, sorry, Chloe's Chloe's great and a, and a great dude as yeah. well. But you, you, you and John, you know, he's he's a he's a good pal as well, isn't he? He's a, he's a he's a good dude. Yeah, lovely boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, we've got more friends. We've got closer friends since he's got sober, and I am allowed to say that because he's talked about it. But um, yes, yeah, so now we've got like a bit of a deeper deeper friendship, I would say. Lovely, lovely lad. Um, then the opener, I'm going to pick someone that I have only worked with like once. Uh, just to mix it up because you can't just pick your friends and that is Frankie Thompson yeah I think she's so innovative she does like it's mad what she does it's so watchable and amazing and she's quite new and I think it's what comedy a bill should be lots of different people doing different things so I think she's fantastic 
can you say a bit about Frankie? Because Frankie, as you say, very much doing her own thing there. She does like a cat act. Oh, she she does like physical humour, where she uh, she's made these weird sounds and this weird soundtrack, and she sort of dances around to it, which that that really does undersell it because you watch it and you're like, how she come up with this then? And it's that it's baffling, but it's so good. She's absolutely brilliant, and she's like such a breath of fresh air as well. What we've gigged with each other a lot down the years. What's been the what's the craziest thing that you've attempted on stage? Oh well, um, I'm always trying to do like a front flip because um, I can't do a front flip. Although I did land it on the trampoline lots the other day for the first time ever. But trampoline is a bit cheating. But in my head, I can do a front flip, and then I think, oh, with the will of the audience, like I'll just pull it out of the bag. But obviously, I can't, and I landed on my head, and it really hurt. And then the second part of the show, everyone on the front row could just smell deep heat. <laughs> but Paul um, Gilby, who's such a good photographer, he like captured it all. Like, so there's, he's captured it second by second or split second by split second. So you can sort of see the maneuver and then me landing on my head. And um, he's so good. You know, all stage photos, you look rank apart from if Paul's taking them. They're so good. He's just brilliant. Anyway, so um, yeah, that, uh, I think that. Um, please talk us through the the flip. How close were you to? I wasn't close to anything you? apart from smashing my head on the floor. So what happened? Did you? Did, so no, I I didn't do a flip. I sort of did a cartwheel with no hands, sort of. Like it was, yeah, it wasn't nice. It wasn't nice for anyone. I'm trying to think of something. There's. I remember a, a gig in Ballum. You you did it. It wasn't blind day. It was. It was like a dating game with the crowd. It went, it went brilliantly well as well. But I remember that being particularly out there. Does that ring a bell? No, I, I smelled a man um, at a gig and that, that didn't feel good afterwards. I think I fancied him and so I wanted to sniff his neck. So I was like, oh, let's smell everyone. <laughs> paper, <laughs> paper thin. And then I found out he was like fucking 28 or something gross as well. Bloody hell. So you, th- you were hoping that you, the scent would... You'd have a an attraction by a scent. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Just animal instinct to sniff his neck, basically. So I made it into a bit of a game. I mean, it, you know, if a man did that, we'd string him up. So it's absolutely outrageous. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, terrific. Who in the middle? Um, well, he might be sort of headline material anyway. Um, but you know, it's hard to differentiate and get everyone in, isn't it? Yeah, he's probably more headline act, but Mwan Rizwan, he's so good. And again, I'm, he's not like I don't know him very well, and I haven't gigged with him loads. But I just love that he offers something different, and he's so like charismatic and stuff. What is the deal with his charisma? Jesus, mm. wet. When that guy walks on a stage, I mean, you, everyone sits up about six inches, don't they? He's got yeah, he's got that star quality in abundance. Yeah, it is. Yeah, what? How? How did you get that then? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's got he's got that thing where when he walks on, he has true presence, doesn't he? And he's such a yeah. great performer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I like his fashions, and I like um, uh, yeah, I like his charisma. Some of his material not is not even like he's again quite new and stuff. And I think his material will get better and better. But you don't sort of care because you just want to watch him. Like he's like he's so he's he's smooth like butter. He's smooth like butter, and also he's so poster. <laughs> his songs are such bangers. I mean, Mango Chutney. Yeah. I mean that is that is an that's a mother of all earworms. Yeah, and also then the lineup so far, you've got John Robbins, who's like a stable host. You've got a sort of dark physicality, then you've got musicality. You know. Where have you gigged with Moan before? Um, do you know? I don't know if I even have. I feel like I must have, but um, I'm sure I must have. But I saw him on the Jonathan Ross thing. That was really good. He was really good there. Mawan on Jonathan Ross absolutely popped. That was a really fun experience. And then Ditto, Harry Hill's Club Night. I worked with him on that. Um, mm. Yeah, great performer, great dude, great energy. Great, um, great outfits, yeah. you know, great joy to be for. Great outfit, the green trackie, the cap. Mm. Uh, the brilliant choice. Okay. Yes. Now, you do want to know who my headliner is, of course, don't you? Desperate. I've got a bit of budget on this gig. 
so I'm flying someone in from the Americas, Meg's daughter, Meg's daughter. Talk us through uh, Meg's daughter, how, how you came across. I went to see Meg's daughter's show uh, a couple of years ago and we get so in our head about uh, like, we've got to make the perfect show. We've got to have a structure. We've got to have like, you know, pathos and you know, all that, all that stuff. You get so in your head. Like I haven't done the perfect show in Edinburgh every year. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't think it's like the perfect show with a narrative arc and really good structure. She's on stage and you're like, you're buzzing from the amount she's buzzing. She just like, just loves being on stage and it's infectious. And she's just got funny bones. And I, I love me personally. I love the kind of comedy that's funny bones. Now you, you know, you, you, we just have to accept this is fact. I know it's hard to take compliments sometimes, but you have such funny bones. Was that from the book? I think I know the answer to this. Were you funny bones like out of the womb or is it something that you had to harness? Um, I'm just laughing because someone texted me saying that in the book I put when I uh, burst out my mother's butthole, which I've forgotten about. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I, there was a lot of like uh, value put on comedy in our family kind of thing. And then I think you play to your strengths, don't you? So, I mean, that's the least funny answer. That's the irony of it. No, but <laughs> that's the irony. So if you've always been funny, um, really dry answer. <laughs> no, but I think I, I, I worry that I put too much. Uh, pressure, you put pop. a lot of pressure on me there, that one. No, 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 but, but my, my two girls, they know that dad's a great audience. And I wonder if I'm almost inadvertently ushering them towards stand-up because if they good. do something funny i'm like nailed good it. good good they've got to know the value of it breaks a bit like some like i it blows my mind when people don't want to go out with someone funny like like sometimes you speak, i spoke to this girl once and i was like oh, what's the most important like you know characteristic for like you know you to like she was talking about boys and she didn't even mention funny in the top 10 and i was like does it have to be funny and she's like no not really i'm like what is this language like what what are you gonna do it's a long life but yeah i think um it's the most important thing good for you for because imagine if you were like clapping over them looking pretty fuck that you know like and then and then they they know when they've got a laugh this is one of my favorite things when they've got a laugh you can see them uh playing to the room you know to make sure that yeah everyone's lovely Giving them yeah, get sweet, them, sweet sugar. get them like, yeah, that's much better than getting them to like look after people or worry about people's emotions. <laughs> well, like, come on. I mean, yeah, be kind, obviously be kind, but not like women are, do so much emotional labor that like, get them, get them some fucking jazz tap shoes. Be kind, but also girls be really funny. All the yeah. Time. Get, look, do you want pocket money? We'll write a five minute set then. Don't waste my time. That's hack. So you're not getting your money. Lou, you're happy with that gig? There's a nice balance there. Yeah, I am actually. Uh, and venue-wise, it's in my house. Perfect. Have, have you gigged with Megan before then? No, I don't know her at all. I tried to pick people that I don't know so much, apart from I was stumped on the MC. So, yeah. But, I mean, uh, if I put my friends on, it's Luke McQueen. I mean, he's so funny. Has there been an, an incident from a gig that you would love to somehow recreate at this gig? Um, no, I don't believe in recreation. Sorry, I know there's a format to adhere to. Yeah, no, don't make that face. I don't believe in recreating. I think you've each gig has got to be a different, you've got to relax that face. You're going to age yourself. You're going to age. Could you please share a lovely moment from a gig? Oh, yes. Now you've rephrased it. I will. Do you know, there was a sweet gig when um, these two kids came with their mums. They must have been about like 14 or something and two like best friends. And I like to appeal to those sort of, I think it's really hard being a young woman sort of growing up and everything. So it was really touching that they came with their mums and they both made me little presents. And one of them had made a little roller skate from like clay stuff. And one of them had drawn a picture and I've actually got them on my bookshelf. I think I'm remembering that right. I've got them on my bookshelf anyway. And it was so sweet. Oh my God, that's that's so nice. Yeah. Yeah, so that was really cute. And their mums were really nice. Um, yeah. So is, is that more, that's more of the positive impact of Taskmaster, I take it? I don't know, really. Um, people like roller skating, people like a theme. Uh, but yeah, probably. There's a there is a Taskmaster comedian who plays ABC, 
I won't say who because the per- the, the fan is like the sweetest person you, you could meet, and the f- the fan will present fan art, and the fan will chat with the comedian, and you are, oh, I could cry thinking oh. about it. You can oh. see the fa- you can see the fan, and they're young as well, but they're shaking. At yeah, to- at- what, because one... they're because they're talking to their hero, you know. One guy did make me, uh, and this was directly off Taskmaster, a Taskmaster themed like little house, almost like a little doll's house. And the amount of effort that gone into it and he was shaking and he gave it to me and I thought, oh, bless him. But I also thought, this is amazing, but where the hell am I going to keep it in a small flat? I didn't. <laughs> what, what, what did you do with it? Oh, dismantled it immediately. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. In front of him. I oh, did, yeah. 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 Smashed it up in front of his eyes. The world is cruel. I'll get you through it. No, I didn't. I put it. I put it in my cupboard, and sometimes still enjoy looking at it. Uh, Lou, what about an incident uh, that, under any circumstances, must not happen? I'd say falling on my head. I'd say um, stalkers. I'd say let's keep it light. I'd say ah, um, oh, once I did ben- the banana cabaret in Balham and it was a Christmas party so years ago and they didn't really like a woman coming on this is so long ago and also it wasn't like a normal comedy crowd here nowadays it's fine but like at the time it's a bit like arms folded as soon as you walk out and there was these guys there that were on their they worked for a cleaning company and they were on their Christmas party and they kept heckling but not in a way where I could address it just to themselves so I'd be like what are you, what are you saying what are you saying oh. and like then then it got nothing nothing so it's like really disruptive anyway at the end i tipped the leader of the party i tipped him over on his chair and dragged him across the floor and neither of us left with our dignity that night i will say um and then the guy who paid me he was <laughs> he was handing out my money like in 10 pound notes so he'd go 10 and look me in the eye thinking he was thinking do you really think you deserve this 20 and then let me in the eye again. Thirty, let me in the eye again. And I remember thinking, yeah, I know you don't think you should pay me, but I worked really hard for that, you know, shitstorm. So t- talk us through it. How did you take down the, the the alpha? Well, I didn't. I got to the end of my set. No one enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it. Like they think they had a terrible time. Try being me. And then. Uh, like I just couldn't get it back. Like it was so no one respected me. And then um, that man had got into me so much. Like because it's like just say it out loud, and then we can all be involved. And he's being a bit snide with it, and it really like ugh, just felt like the energy coming off him was really like didn't appreciate me being on stage from the minute I walked out. Like you know he's like I'm gonna take it down, and then um, yeah. So then it was a quick tip back drag across the whole floor and I think his mates thought that was the funniest thing I'd done that night anyway so at least it's that uh good good for you but also that insidious type of chat that's the that's the worst isn't it rather yeah. than I mean Tim and I we, you know we've said before any sort of heckling now is I mean one of my put downs is if on the very rare occasion someone heckles I go mate it's not the 80s yeah 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 like, you just you just don't do it anymore yeah I think now I'd have more tools to deal with it, you know, and you'd be having a better gig, hopefully, anyway. And you'd sort of, I don't know, things have changed, I think, quite a lot. Like, I don't think you get that thing now where there's a lot more women comedians and there's a lot more acceptance. I don't think you get the thing where you walk out and everyone folds their arms. No, but I mean, and also these days on the very, 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 I mean, eye-wateringly rare occasion, someone heckles, you'll get this. Everyone in the room will turn around to look at the person as if to say, what are you yeah. What are you doing? It might have been a thing in the seventies and eighties where it was all, all all part of it. It's not all part of it. It's you're wasting everyone's time. Although, did you hear in the book where I started, where when I was going to comedy clubs, I thought I was joining in. So it's karma, really, because I thought I was being really funny, like joining in and being cheeky and like adding my own jokes. And the comedians was thought this drunk fucking idiot. And I was like, yeah, I'm adding to it. And so now when I hear people say that, I think, oh dear, they've just not like got the memo ever. But what he was doing was more like it was just more sly and insidious. Like, less, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. we're all learning all the time. I, I, I've heard Phil Jupiter tell a story. He was, he was doing a, a, a full tour show, that that Quadrophenia-inspired tour. And from the start of the show to the very end, a guy heckled all the way through 
Phil said he never actually, I'm not even sure he did his show because he kept having to put this guy down. And then he said, he said goodbye. And then this guy walked to the front of the stage with his hand outstretched as if to say, put it there, partner. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, you ruined yeah. the night. You know. There was another guy, like I did a gig and this guy, I think he was coked up and he just kept adding and the timing was terrible. Like, you know, cause I was just about to get to a punchline and he'd like chip in and whatever. And then he, he ruined the gig, but it wasn't so bad. Like I still managed to find like some parts, like the gig was, I didn't get any chance to give what I was going to say, but whatever, you know, it wasn't so bad. It was just fucking annoying. And then afterwards I was, he came over and he's like, that was great. I was like, are you insane? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I really added, you know, and I thought, oh my God, they just don't, you can't even be angry with them, you know, because they're just like. They don't realise yeah. that they're doing wrong. Yeah. Uh, who, when you were at gigs, who were the guys that you, was there anyone who you really, you really loved? What do you mean? When you were attending comedy gigs. So, so, I, so I went to, when I was at university, late night, mid to late oh, 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah. I used to go to all those gigs. So I, before they were famous, I would I saw people. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Peter Kay, Sean Locke, Chris Addison, on and on and on and on. And, yeah, and I've yeah, got to yeah. say, I saw Peter Kay. I think I was eighteen before he was famous. I mean, Jesus, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you, if if you could, if you could have not that I had a mortgage at the age of eighteen, but if you could have put whatever money you had on someone being yeah, a, a yeah, yeah. Star, was there anyone that you'd seen that, that struck a chord? Mark Watson, I love going up the creek on a Sunday, seeing Mark Watson MC. That was so good. Um, Daniel Kitson, uh, Kitty Flanagan, who's an Australian female comedian. I think moves back to Australia, but um, yeah. So those ones, I remember thinking, bad deal. Brilliant. Uh, now, finally, how do you how do you unwind after a gig? Uh, just get a groupie, bring them back, you know. No, no, I don't. I have. I just go on my phone. I imagine. Do you know what I'm? I'm astonished because I thought you were going to have some sort of spiritual tip. No, no. I write just... down all the things that I've been grateful for that day. Oh God, no! Oh, get out on your phone and move on, don't you? Do a word, do wordle. That's it. You're out. I mean, this. I won't name them, but to, you know, two very successful, very likable comedians. On one hand, there's one who every word is is written. Every, every word you see on stage has been has been written on a page. And then an, another guy, very successful, they go on stage with certain just bullet points in their head that they want to hit, and they're talking around it. But it's, what I'm saying is, it's whatever works for you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know whatever found what works for me yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Lou, thank you for being so generous with your time. Huge and heartfelt congratulations with the book. It's such a special read slash listen. So uh, I can't I can't say enough uh, congratulatory things about that book. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, and see you soon. Huge thanks to Lou Sanders. I think I would say, Tim, that episode really really captures the essence of Lou Sanders. Yeah, one hundred percent. Really fantastic yeah so good loved having her uh so i would so in terms of my favorite lou sanders memory i've known lou sanders since i've been on the open mic circuit i think before i started comedy i went to a couple of open mic nights i'm pretty certain i saw lou she would she would have been above open mic level but i saw lou at a gig and she always she always just had that that special something and so to see her become this star of television taskmaster champ uh star across dave shows and what have you uh has been wonderful to my favorite memory i warm up unforgivable and lou lou sanders is just always so friendly but always goes uh above and beyond um on that show and so my favorite memory is just getting to know lou better via warming up for her and mel gedroich on the 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 joyous uh, the, the the wonderful uh, unforgivable I think it's I mean I'm biased but I think it's a fantastic show so I'm you know l- long may it run so uh, it, I'll be honest with you that was a really easy pick for me uh, my, my favorite memory Work, working with lovely Lou Timo it is an easy pick for me too actually so <laughs> famously there was the coronavirus lockdowns uh, so we didn't go see any live in-person stand-up for 
I think it was near enough two years. Uh, so whilst we did plenty of online gigs, we weren't necessarily in the room with the comedians. The first stand-up gig in person I went to was a Lou Sanders, Sarah Pascoe double bill. So, yeah, that was the first time I saw stand-up uh, right in front of my face in about two years. So it has to be that. Lou Sanders, first comedian I saw out of lockdown. Great choice. Um, as always, please do get in touch. We are the team at alwaysbecomedy.com and across the socials at alwaysbecomedy. Oh, you're going to love... Ne- Tim, next week's episode, one of my absolute favourites. Yes, absolutely. There are stories from our episodes which I'm <laughs> telling my girlfriend as soon as they're done. They're just so brilliant. Can't spoil who it is, but yeah, brilliant. Have a great week, everyone. Huge and heartfelt thanks, and uh, we'll speak soon. Bye-bye-bye-bye. <laughs>